Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, y'all, I'm Joe Tower, and you're listening to Tales of Our Folly, a storytelling podcast. Each episode, we will bring you one new story recorded live at one of our past shows in Los Angeles. Every month, we'll also bring you one bonus episode, a one-on-one interview with a local storytelling all-star to discuss story, folly, and how they both play a role in all of our lives. Each of our live shows is a lineup of four storytellers sharing one true personal story in front of a live audience about the shame and embarrassment of being a human. I'm the host and creator, and if you're ever in the LA area, check out our Facebook page or our website at www.talesofourfolly.com for updates on upcoming event dates and times. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Pippa, Spotify, or wherever you download your damn podcasts. If you've got a story you'd like to tell in spoken or written form, email us at talesofourfolly at gmail.com. All right, enough chit-chat. On with the folly. Yet again, we're going to dive back into this last March's show, in which we batted a thousand with our lineup. You're about to hear a story from Emmy Award winner, LeBron James fan, and hip-hop aficionado, Amy Rhodes. Now, I got an obvious soft spot for Amy because she and I both come from the rural Midwest, but the fact of the matter is, everyone has a soft spot for Amy because she's so goddamn awesome. Stick around here, put your feet up, and listen good to this story about a farm girl's first big college party. This is Amy Rhodes' Tale of Our Folly. notes in case I like panic and decide I hate myself and have to, you know, second guess everything. Um, so I don't, I don't, I don't really. Okay. Um, um, so I am a youngest child and, um, this is a story basically about, um, well, what is this about? I guess it's about the most embarrassing thing I barely remember doing. Um, and um, yeah, so like I said, I'm a youngest child. And growing up, I grew up in Iowa. I was very attached to my mother. Like I couldn't even spend the night at a friend's house when I was growing up. I remember um, I would go to slumber parties and then like when the girls were like doing like light as a feather, stiff as a board, I'd like go talk to the parents. Um, <laughs> And um, eventually get one of them to drive me home. Um, And one time I uh, actually um, went home and I didn't, like, I guess I didn't call my parents and tell them I was coming home and my parents were having a hot tub party with some of their friends. And um, that should have, like, 
I should have after that like gone to slumber parties, but that didn't, you know, that didn't cure it. Um, and I never went to sleepaway camp or anything like that. Um, and so my older brother and sister both went off um, way far away from Iowa for college. And of course, every one of my friends was going to the University of Iowa. Everyone in my family assumed that that's what I would do because I couldn't be away from my parents. But instead, I decided to go to Boston, which was 2,000 miles away, to college. Um, I went to Tufts, thank you. Um, I went to Tufts University, which, if you don't know, it's um, the school that people go to when they can't get into Brown. And... um, So I went to Tufts University, um, and my mom drove me there um, from Iowa. So we were taking this road trip, and I think my mom, for the first, like, 15 or 20 minutes, like, I was, like, talking, and then for the next two and a half days, I was just, like, openly weeping in the car. Um, And um, so I got to Tufts and, um, you know, got set up in my dorm room. My um, roommate was from... Spain, which um, just the fact that she spoke a different language intimidated me, so I didn't want to speak to her, you know. I mean, she also spoke English, but I was like, she's so cultured, you know. And um, uh, and so I asked my mom if I could come home with her, and she said no. Um, and um, she left, and then I um, went to orientation, which um, I got dressed up for. I wore a really nice dress, and when I showed up there, everyone else was like, um, you know, dressed like a normal um, 18-year-old, which is like, and a lot of the girls were like wearing, I remember they were all wearing Timberlands and um, like baseball hats and stuff like that, and they all seemed to know each other like they had grown up together in Connecticut or a lot of them had gone to and I want to I want to phrase this correctly like a camp for Jewish people not a Jewish camp like not a concentration camp <laughs> like you know um which would be kind of weird I mean this story could all of a sudden be like my female folly is that like I'm a Nazi <laughs> you know um it's just something I do um so uh no so they all fucking knew each other and they were all from like New York or like Greenwich and all this stuff and we we were doing this M&M game where you had to take an M&M and say something about yourself and like mine was like you know I grew up in Iowa and I said that and this guy Eric Goldman Jewish um <laughs> looks at me he's like Iowa did you have like an outhouse there and like no obviously I did not have a fucking outhouse like but um it really it like hurt my feelings and I was super embarrassed. I mean, I wasn't like that hurt. Like two months later, I gave him like a hand job in our stairwell. So it wasn't like, I wasn't super mad at him, but like, I was definitely mad enough that I was like, um, okay. Um, and that was like, oh, by the way, just a little sidetrack thing about me that was fun freshman year is I was like, I want to be slutty, but I'm from Iowa. So I'm going to just give hand jobs. So it's like kind of slutty, but kind of like Midwestern slut, you know, I don't know. And like, this is a total tangent, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, is that one time, like, my roommate and I eventually became friends, and I, we went to a party. This is how much of a, like, non-slut slut I was. We went to a frat party, and we went upstairs, um, and there was a guy on his computer. He was, like, working. And we just, like, were drunk, and we, like, wander into the room. And I'm like, hey. And he turns around, and he's like, hey. And I turned to my roommate friend at the time and I go get out like but I was trying to mouth it and she just left then I gave him a hand job and then I left what like no that was like 
a downer for both of us. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, okay. But before any of that happened, you know, I had this like great shame that I was from Iowa. So when people started asking me where I was from, I started saying like, I live just outside of Chicago, which is six hour drive. If you, it, sure. Um, um, and, uh, I never, so, and, and I, I, I would call my parents, like, I think almost every day and ask if I could come home. And, um, the only time I, like, went out was one time my RA felt bad for me and she, like, took me, um, into Boston and took me out to dinner. And at the end of the dinner, I was like, this is really great. Thank you. Can I ask you a favor? And she's like, anything. And I was like, will you call my mom and ask her if I can come home? And she was like, no. So... So finally, my parents made this deal with me where they said, stay until Thanksgiving, and then if you still want to come home and be done with, you know, college and, I guess, life, apparently, um, uh, then you can come home. Um, So we struck this deal, and um, I went home at Thanksgiving, and sort of, like, having detached myself from my parents uh, unwillingly, I sort of saw things more clearly. I'm like, oh, my dad is an alcoholic, and my mom does not like my dad. Like, no, I shouldn't stay here. This is not a good way to live the rest of my life. Um, And then the other thing that happened was I got into my college improv group, which, thank you. Oh my God, you guys, thank you so much. Like every, um, (laughs) it's really big deal. And of course, as with any improv group, my troupe was called um, Side Effects. I'm sure you were all in a, if you did any sort of comedy in college, you all too were in a group called Side Effects, right? Or something of that, you know what I mean? Like, or the funny bones. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? But you know what I'm saying. Um, so, um, and that sort of made me feel like, oh, I'm going to be making friends and I did. I started to become friends with these people and we would have rehearsals, but like they were all kind of like older, you know? And so um, I remember one Friday night, you know, at the end we had like our rehearsal and then like everyone's leaving. And this guy, Mark, he was an upperclassman, really nice, was like, so um, I was like, hey, what are, you, what are you doing tonight? He's like, oh, I'm going to a party off campus. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. You know, like, um, and I was like, and then he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I might like go to a restaurant like what um by myself and so um I um and so I mean he took some pity on me and he's like do you want to go to this party with me and I'm like oh okay yeah so I like went to my dorm and I like put on my finest tights and you know my jean skirt you know I was ready to rock it out still didn't know how to dress and like these platform boots like that were like a platform with a heel you know I had no business in them whatsoever (laughs) but I was wearing them and um you know it was um winter in Boston and we went to this party and one thing I can tell you about um how it was off campus in someone's house and 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 Boston has these like really big houses that they make into apartments and how they do it is like there's um usually a um back entrance to these houses so it'll be like three levels and there's just the really really narrow stairs to each um apartment so that you're like not walking i don't know if what i'm saying makes sense or i should kill myself what um but um i think you get what i'm saying if you don't like i don't know that's that's on you um so i like 
we had to go up to the third floor of this house is what I'm trying to explain to you. And I know it took me entirely too long to say that. Um, but the stairs were really narrow, you know, and I was wearing this fucking platform boot, so it's like a big deal that I made it to this party is what I'm getting at. I've already won at this point, right? And then I'm at this party and like, I don't fucking know anybody. And Mark, except Mark, who's like off with his friends and like these people are all older and they just definitely seem cool. And I think some of them were like locals and like, I I was not yet like, I hand jobs weren't my go-to yet. So I didn't know what to do. So I just proceeded to get real, 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 real drunk. Um, And then I'm like wandering around the party and I wander into the kitchen and there's um, at the table a group of, my friend Mark is sitting there and then there's like a group of it's all men. And they are, somebody is rolling the biggest fucking joint I have ever seen in my entire life. And I like hip hop, so I've seen a lot of big joints, right? Um, I don't know. Um, but no, I, was, I, just, I just really remember it being a very big joint. And now I, can, I will tell you that in high school, um, I smoked a lot of weed with my mime troupe. Um, and I know that all the things I just said, all those words shouldn't be in the same sentence. But they are. <laughs> and I did rip four foot bong hits with my fellow mimes. Um, so I fucking loved weed and for whatever reason when I was in college at that time like it was kind of harder to get weed I don't know so I hadn't smoked since you know I'd been at school and so I was like oh my god I'm gonna like smoke weed right and and then I proceeded to make a a series of three very fatal mistakes I would say um (laughs) I sat down at the table I guess it was four the first is that I even bothered to sit down at this table where nobody had asked me to join this group or any of those things. Um, the second thing was my choice of seats was to sit on a cooler full of beer. Um, so then nobody had access to the beer. Um, and um, so then I'm watching them pass the joint around and it's coming around and it's coming around and I'm just like trying to be cool and the guy next to me takes a hit and then that little bitch starts passing it the other way. Oh shit, right, I know, right? And here's, well, that was on him because I was also at the time starting to feel very nauseous and weed, if you don't know, does make you feel better when you're nauseous. So I was just kind of waiting it out. But when that started going the other way, there was nothing I could do, so I just leaned over threw up on the floor, sat up, and tried to pass it off as if nobody saw that happen. (laughs) And then the next part of the story, I for sure feel like, you know how sometimes your brain sort of protects you and like you remember things differently than they really happened, you know, so that you can get through life? I always sort of remembered that then somebody passed me the joint, but like I'm fairly certain that if I threw up on the floor, nobody was like, oh, she just puked, like, like definitely pass her the joint. So I think what happened was I leaned across the table, 
I took the joint. I took a huge hit, and then I don't know why, but I said, smoke them if you got them. <laughs> and then instead of passing the joint to someone else, I dropped it by accident into a puddle of beer. At which point, Mark goes, okay. And I looked at him and I said, I'll go. <laughs> and so I got up. And now, you, now you're going to see why those stairs were an issue. So it was two flights of stairs, but there was a, thank God, there was a landing in the middle. Because... I took one step and then I was on the landing in the middle and I fell down those stairs and I turned and I looked and all the guys, all those dudes that had been sitting at the table are now like in the door frame looking at me. And so I stood up and there was a broom against the um, side, you know, like they had a broom there. So I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm in an improv group. Why not? improvise for these men, right? And so I grabbed the um, broom and pretended it was a microphone and said, Elvis has left the building. And then I uh, turned around and fell down the next flight of stairs. point I had committed to being Elvis so I stood up and said thank you very much what and left and my friend Mark walked me home that night and we were in and actually like I was you know I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and he's like it's fine who cares nobody's gonna fucking remember this on Monday who cares and he and he was so nice about it when we were walking back to my dorm I had to pee really bad and there I remember there was like a police line do not cross so I crossed that fucking police line and I popped a squat and he and and, and he stood my friend Mark was like nothing to see here people keep on moving and I thought that was so funny and so cute and he was like making me laugh and then people were walking by and some guy's like why are you fucking can pop in a squat and I was like because I'm from Iowa bitch and I can pop a squat because that's what I had to do all through high school and every party I went and I was all of a sudden I was just real proud of where I was from you know and that night really shifted that for me and I think that I learned a really big lesson that night which was this I needed to drink a little bit more so I didn't remember this kind of behavior, right? So the night that I did seven shots of Jack Daniels and then somebody put me to bed and I kicked open my dorm room door and started singing, who let the dogs out? I don't remember that, so I can't feel ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed that I went on spring break and got on a ping pong table and said, does anybody want to see my Andrew Dice Clay impression? Because I don't remember doing it, but I assume that my impression was fucking great. So um, the other thing I learned was why all those bitches were wearing Timberlands because they have traction on the bottom of them. So I got myself some Timberlands. And then the third thing and probably the most important thing I learned was that 
When you fall down, as a woman, you're taught you should do it gracefully. And if you fuck up as a woman, you should never have the audacity to try to do that exact same thing again. But I've never lived my life that way, and I'm totally fine. So I have this quote on, my, on a magnet on my refrigerator because I keep it on my refrigerator because I like to pretend that I have low blood sugar so I can eat like 30 or 40 times a day. And so I see this quote quite a bit, which is, ever try, ever failed, no matter, try again, fail again, fail better. It's by Samuel Beckett. And I will say that I have never succeeded unless I've failed at something first. And all, all of the things that I've accomplished are, be, are, are born out of failing better. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. I don't know. I had something else, but now I can't fucking remember what I was going to say at the end. <laughs> oh, that, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. I'll think of it. And then tonight I'll be laying in bed and I'll like want to, you know, I'll be mad at myself that I forgot it. But that's failing better next time, right? Anyway, thank you, Joe, for letting me do this. This podcast is produced and hosted by me, Joe Tower, and executive produced and edited by Brian Weiss. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate us below. If you hated what you heard, let us know what we can do better. And also, go fuck yourself. For all other info, please visit www.talesofourfolly.com. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.